Today we wrap up our Let the River Flow worship series. We began up in north of Israel at a location called Tel Dan. And at Tel Dan we saw that we can worship the wrong God or gods and we can worship the true God wrongly. We discovered what true worship is. That true worship is looking at and celebrating what Jesus Christ has done for us until there's an expression of joy and life change. Then we went over to Caesarea Philippi and, and we were asked to identify false gods and idols in our life. They could be possessions, reputation, any level of prestige or totems of power and status, wealth, approval, control, or happiness. Any of those things that we seek to give our lives meaning, some of those things we, we value the most. And we value those more than we do Jesus. And so we unseat those items and those, those idols and those totems of power and other gods. And we welcome a new king, a new leader, allowing Jesus to shape our life. We went to Jacob's well. And there we were asked to identify barriers that prevent people from coming to Jesus. To fully repent of them and remove those barriers that are keeping people from coming to Jesus. And then last week at the Sea of Galilee, we were some 700 feet below sea level at the city of Capernaum. And there we saw four friends who had a friend who couldn't walk laying on a mat. And they carried, the four friends carried that friend to Jesus. And when they got to the house where Jesus was, the place was, was packed out. They couldn't get through the door, couldn't get their friend to Jesus. And so they went up to the roof and they began removing the barriers that were keeping their friend from Jesus. And we were asked to do the same work. Asking what are the barriers that are preventing the people you love from Jesus? So we had barrier identification and Barrier removal prayer, barrier removal deep repentance, and barrier removal action. Today we're going to the final spot. It's not the, the last water in Israel, but it's the last one we'll look at, to the Dead Sea. Dead Sea is also known as the Sea of Death. It's 72 miles east of Jerusalem at 1,400 feet below sea level. Anybody been to the beach in the past year? In the past year, past two years, anybody ever been to the beach? Anybody ever gone in salt water and tasted it? Anybody ever gone in salt water with a little bit of cut or scratch on you? So the water that you went to, the, the beach water, uh, is, is about 3.5% salt. The Dead Sea is 34.2% salt. Big difference in that. Here's my dead sea water that I uh, collected, brought back. If you remember all the other water that I shared with you, crystal clear. Now there is some sand in there. I thought it was important to bring back some sand uh, in there. But you can see how, how brackish, how, how dirty. the. And I haven't even, this has been sitting on my, on my desk for about a week. I haven't even shaken it up. And so on this water, I, I have Dead Sea and do not drink uh, on that. Um, now, 
normal water, you sink. Normal water, I, I sink. I, in a swimming pool, I, if I float, it's nose and mouth, and that's it uh, above water. And, and that's an egg in, in normal water. This is an egg in the salinity of the Dead Sea. Let me hold that so you can see it. The egg is floating. Now, the Dead Sea is a, is a popular spot for spa treatments. Um, the salt exfoliates your skin. So it's for folks who get into the Dead Sea when they go to Israel, you get in there and you put all that salt on your skin and it exfoliates. And then you go shower. It's important. And then your skin is just nice and soft. It's also more oxygen there because it's low. Uh, about 6 or 8% more oxygen. So you can breathe better. So folks are attractive, attracted to the Dead Sea area for the spa treatments, including Egyptian Cleopatra. She would go to the Dead Sea for, for spa treatments. Back in 1947, there were some scrolls found near the Dead Sea. A hundred points if you know the name of those, sea, those scrolls found near the Dead Sea. Dead Sea Scrolls, that's right. The Jordan River feeds, feeds uh, the Dead Sea. And uh, as we looked at just a little bit last week about uh, 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 Capernaum, the, the area there in the Sea of Galilee, uh, folks get their drinking water from the Jordan River. And so some of that Jordan River water flowing into the Dead Sea is being diverted for, for drinking water. And, and it's affecting the Dead Sea. Uh, the Dead Sea is shrinking. Uh, also because it has no life because it has no outflow, uh, as, as Lisa mentioned uh, in, in the children's message. Uh, that's totally different from what we experienced at Tel Dan and Caesarea Philippi, where water is gushing up out of the ground, water uh, gushing up, water full of life, vitality, and greenery, and, and springs. Get down to the Dead Sea. Uh, the Dead Sea is, is dead. There's no, no life there. It's so, it's so salty. That this living water that's up at Tel Dan and Caesarea Philippi, that's springing up out of the ground, living water, life-giving water, abundant water. By the time it gets to the Dead Sea, it arrives to a dead place. Living water. That's what Jesus offered the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. And that message of living water was, was sweet to her. It was, it was life-giving to her. Why was it life-giving and, and sweet to her? Because she had tasted the bitterness and the deadness of dead water. She had been living in, in death, gone through several broken marriages, perhaps a life of promiscuity. She was a poor steward of her taste, spending most of her time running from broken cistern to broken cistern. She was breathing, but she was dead inside. She needed only what Jesus could give, living water. We can only appreciate the living water that Jesus gives when we recognize the water we've been drinking and we're accustomed to is foul tasting. The water we've 
been satisfied with. We, we will only appreciate the living water that Jesus gives when, when we realize that we have been drinking foul water. And as long as we're satisfied with drinking that, that water that is not life-breathing, uh, a relationship with Jesus, and until we are unsatisfied with our, our current state, we will never know the living water that Jesus offers us. And Jesus came to offer you and I living water to well up in us a spring of life. The good news is this. That God specializes in bringing dead things to life. The first of us were created in the image and likeness of God, male and female, formed from the dust of the ground. And then the Lord God breathed into His nostrils the breath of life, and He became a living creature. God specializes in bringing dead things to life. The great prophet Ezekiel is speaking to the people who are in exile. They have been taken captive. They've been carted off to a foreign land. They are breathing, but they are dead inside. And he speaks to them this message. Ezekiel speaks to them this message that God has the ability and the determination to restore them, to bring them out of exile, and to give them life where there had only been death. In chapter 37, Ezekiel says, The Spirit of the Lord comes upon me, and He brought me to a valley of deadness. And as he looks at this valley of deadness in chapter 37, he sees fleshless, dry bones. And Yahweh says to Ezekiel, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh, O God, to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am Yahweh. The word of the Lord is powerful and brings life to the lifeless. Capital S sin, big S sin, what we are born into, and lowercase s sin, those sins that we commit, those both lead to death. Paul writes that the wages of sin is death. And when we miss the mark of living within God's established boundaries, when payday comes, we're paid in death. We are breathing but dead. When we are disobedient to God, when we follow the passions of our desires, when we allow our flesh nature to control us, when our, our focus is not on obedience to our Savior, we are breathing but dead. Without Jesus in our lives. Without Jesus in our lives. And when I talk about Jesus, without Jesus in our lives, it's, it's not just a little bit of Jesus and a whole lot of sin, or a little bit of Jesus and a, and a little bit of sin. It's not, I'm not talking about Jesus getting my attention for one hour a week on Sunday. I'm not talking about Jesus getting just part of my life. But without Jesus on the throne of our lives, Jesus as the leader of our lives, we are breathing, but we are dead. The dead sea is dead. No living water. 
no fish, no plants is too salty. We jump over 10 chapters to Ezekiel 47 and we see something amazing happen. We go to Jerusalem to the temple some 47 miles away. And we read in Ezekiel 47 verses 4 through 12 about God specializing in bringing dead things to life. I want to read from the New Living Translation. He measured off another 1,750 feet. So I was reading that from my Bible app, and it decided to update. I've never had that happen before. All right, let me, now give me, here we go. Got it. I got it. Thank you, Robert. Ezekiel 47, starting with verse 4. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. He asked me, Have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, This river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea all the way from Engedi to Engalam. The shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish from every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they fill the Mediterranean. But the marshes and swamps will, be, will not be purified, for they will still be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food, and the leaves for healing." The Word of God for all of God's creation. Thanks be to God, and I believe it. Dry bones being refleshed and dead things coming to life, the Dead Sea becoming alive. God specializes in bringing dead things to life. Ezekiel 41 is happening now. The Dead Sea waters are receding, and the sea is shrinking. Fresh water, now, today, is flowing underground from Jerusalem and currently eroding the salt underneath and around the, the Dead Sea, the salt layers, creating sinkholes, and then the sinkholes are filling up with what kind of water? Fresh water. And these pockets of fresh water are lowering the salt level on the edges of the Dead Sea. And plants are growing and fish are being seen. 
Ezekiel 47 is being fulfilled in our time. God brings dead things to life. That which was dead is coming to life. Dry bones refleshed. Dead sea becoming alive. And the first one to come back was Jesus. And He will come again. This has been a hard week in our congregation. Two deaths back to back. Two deaths of individuals who were seemingly healthy. Back to back. We celebrated one last Tuesday and we'll celebrate another life tomorrow here in this place. And it's in those moments that I'm reminded that those who die in the Lord Jesus, those who are saved, those who have placed belief and trust in in Jesus for salvation, I'm, I'm reminded that for them, death does not have the final word. That death was defeated by Jesus on the cross. Death is not victorious. Jesus is. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. At the beginning of our services of death and resurrection, I share these words. Hear the good news. Dying, Christ destroyed our death. Rising, Christ restored our life. Christ will come again in glory. As in baptism, the name, the person, put on Christ. So in Christ, may the person be clothed with glory. Here and now, dear friends, we are God's children. What we shall be has not yet been revealed, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Those who have this hope purify themselves as Christ is pure. Death is defeated. Jesus is victorious. Do you have dead things in your life? Do you have the death of things that you're dealing with in your life? However present or repressed they may be. Death of a dream. Death of a relationship. Death of a marriage you thought you had. Death of your reputation. Death of a loved one. The death of expectations. The death of the way it once was. Perhaps fear, addiction, bondage is bringing you to a death of your own efforts. So I want to ask you to name those deaths, however present, however repressed. And I want you to look at them. I want you to embrace them and feel those deaths. Know however long present or repressed. And doing that takes courage and grit and determination. 
And sometimes it feels like it's the end. For many, our discussion and upcoming vote on disaffiliation feels like death. And regardless of how you individually may vote, loss and death is there. So what do you do with repressed and present death? Broken pieces. What do you do with these broken and and dead pieces? We take them to Jesus. We name them and we bring it to Jesus. And we allow Jesus to hold our brokenness and the death that you're facing. Would you trade your broken pieces and dead pieces for the life-giving water that Jesus offers? We hold things lightly and we hold one thing tightly. There are things in this life that we value that we hold tightly. Our health, our marriages, our children, grandchildren, job, business, your ministry, your home, money, even your life. And we're reminded that all those things are temporary. That death happens in our lives, the things that we hold on tightly. February the 2nd, 2000, I went to an orthopedic doctor. They took x-rays of my hip. I'd been having hip pain, and I found out that my left hip is deformed. And before that, I was a triathlete, and I was running 5Ks and 10Ks. I wasn't the fastest, but I loved it. And February the 2nd, 2000, Lee the runner had to die. Had to die. The doctor told me, running is not good for you. And in that death of Lee the runner was born Lee the cyclist. God specializes in bringing dead things to life. All the good things that we consider good and we seem to hold on tightly, but the one thing we should hold on tightly, all of those things are on loan to us. All of those are are stewarded to us. It's in eternity that, that God gives us the things that cannot be taken away. So only hold on tightly with all of your might to your relationship with God the Father through Jesus the Son, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Remember Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus? Let it be said that you have chosen that good part which cannot be taken away. God's transformation brings dead things to life. Give Him that chance. Sit at the feet of Jesus and allow Jesus to be the leader of your life. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. But he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. 
Paul went through that transformation. And, and in Galatians 2.20, he said, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I, so I live this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. What do you need to let go of today? What do you need to turn loose of today? So you can fully turn to Jesus. What is dead and broken in your life that you need to exchange for living water that only Jesus can give? Our song of response is number 528. Nearer my God to thee. And I'm going to ask that you remain seated as we respond. That when we sit in worship, it's a sign that we are waiting. So I want you to sit and sing in response as a sign of waiting. And as you're waiting, we're waiting and calling ourselves into the presence of Jesus. Nearer, my God, to Thee. And after we sing, we'll have a time of prayer. I'll lead you through. Where it'll be you and Jesus. So use this hymn to sing yourself into the presence of Jesus. Rush, Shannon, and choir, would you lead us? <laughs>